electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market side, overlooking right there, New York City's Times Square. This is Fast Money. I'm not Melissa. I'm Brian. Welcome, everybody. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Nadine Turman, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. I'm getting myself a double dose of Pete today. Good to see you, Pete. All right. Tonight on Fast, call it inflation-proofing your portfolio. The chart master has three ways to play these insane rising prices. We'll tell you what they are and how to trade them. Plus, rubbing up, the old school auto company surging today. Look at that. Ford at a 20-year high. What is driving the moves? What is driving the companies? And more importantly, where they are going from here. And later, meh, it's from Meta. Why our options traders think the company formerly known as Facebook needs a little bit of a uh, reality check or maybe a big one. Happy Friday, everybody. We have got a big show for you tonight, and we start with the inflation print heard around the world. Consumer prices rising at their highest level in nearly 40 years, with things like gasoline, rents, used car prices, all seeing big gains. But here, I guess, is the good news, if you want to call it that. The surge in consumer prices did not seem to spook the markets. The major indexes, they all rose, posting their best weeks since February. The S&P setting its first record close since November 18th, by the way. It's 67th high close of the year. And here's maybe a, an RBI, I guess. According to Charlie Bellello of Compound Capital, that is the most record closes in a year for the S&P 500, except for in a year other than 1995. Second all time. And by the way, still got a couple weeks left in the year, I'm told. So with prices surging, President Biden saying he wants to bring them down. Will that force the Fed's hand to raise rates at a faster pace? that many investors are assuming. Tim, as Sarah just said in closing bell, it is a Fed meeting next week. Does the picture change for Jay Powell and company? Well, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get the real uh, outcome of that Fed minutes. And, and so we won't necessarily even totally know where we stand. But I, I do think you have a case here where, again, you talked about where the market is record number of, of closing highs. Some of that's a function of less Fed. We're, we're, I, there's no way we're going to duplicate that next year. And I realize it was a record, so no expectation we might. But, but there's no question that the Fed is in the mode where they've, they've uh, changed They've changed the rhetoric. They've changed dramatically. Look at the two-year note today. Got up over 70, so set at least a high for this cycle where the market is moving ahead and moving ahead to price at least two times, probably three times uh, of a hike into 2023, um, but in 2022. So the, the bottom line here is this is a week where equities went higher despite the fact that uh, we printed a CPI print that it was actually a relief uh, with this record high. Uh, the key here, though, is the services inflation, which if you look at wage gains, I think they will be higher in 2022. And, and while headline, you know, wholesale and retail gas and food prices and some of the even owners equivalent rent statistics are scary, they are coming down. Those comps are coming down aggressively probably by February or March. Um, but the core CPI is something that I think at some point needs to be priced into companies earnings reports and, and their valuations. And I don't think it's going to happen in, in the next two to three months. 
Steve Grasso, are we at peak inflation now? People in the government saying maybe in early January, February, maybe March of next year, that will be the peak. What do you think? And then how would you adjust your portfolio based on your answer to your own question? (laughs) You got to love those. So, yes, I'm going to say that we are at peak inflation. So as much uh, as many comments that we heard today, Brian, about inflation, we heard equally as many about peak inflation. And I think the key is, where do you go out? You know, when Tim talks about the, uh, the Fed uh, raising rates, I think we, they, they have to curtail asset purchases first, not the same as raising rates. We all get that. But what does the market think? The market has flattened the curve, the 210 spread, because they think the Fed is way behind the curve. If the Fed's way behind the curve, They've been selling the two-year, buying the 10-year, thinking that the Fed is going to crimp growth going forward. I don't think the Fed is going to have to race and chase and be that far behind, quite frankly. So what does that mean? That means that you're going to wind up seeing buying of the two-year, selling of the 10-year, steepening of the curve. I think going into year-end, everyone wants to hold on to those large-cap growth technology names. Come January, I think you're going to see that really massive rotation into value, into chemical names, industrials, materials. Yeah, maybe a lot of tax implications too. Don't want to sell those winners, suddenly wake up and find yourself having a giant tax bill calling your accountant saying, what the heck happened here? Nadine, are you a believer in that, that we're going to have this rotation next year because of either the curve steepening or rates, the Fed or whatever it may be, into those more, quote, value type stocks or maybe even banks and financials? You know, we see it as a transition, but not the same transition. So I'm actually hoping for a hawkish Fed meeting next week so I actually can buy some bonds and treasuries. I think we are at peak inflation. I think there's going to be a decelerating growth of inflation. And when that happens, you want bond-like securities so you can have your treasuries um, at that point. So I'm hoping for it. I don't know if I'm going to get 1.6 on the 10-year or if it'll be in the 150s, but that's the point. I think you can buy some security and you can buy other bond-like securities, real estate, utilities, staples, telecom. You know, and we look at one week ago, we were with the VIX over 30 and here we're with the VIX under 20. So risk has been taken off the table. So it's another reason why you can think about adding some defensives to the portfolio. Yeah, amazing, Pete. Some of the narrative around Omicron has changed. I mean, given, thank goodness, some of the data that we have seen that comes out, it looks fairly mild as well. Talk about a bond proxy. I think it was bespoke, if it wasn't, forgive me, it's been a long day, that, that talked about the outperformance of Apple versus the rest of the market, kind of at a record high. People are sort of buying Apple almost as a bond proxy, right? They just, they just think it will never go down and the company will hold up. What's your take on sort of big tech, Apple, whatever, generally right now, Pete? Yeah, and that's where the, the rotation, again, everybody's talking about rotation into the next year. I'm, a, I'm looking at rotation that's going on right now in front of us, and that's exactly what we're seeing, Brian. As a matter of fact, you look at what was really pumping things today, it wasn't just Apple, it was also Oracle, it was Cisco, it was Microsoft. You get a little bit of a trend going on there, right? I mean, it's big cap tech that does not have those high multiple kind of numbers behind them. So 
I think that's that's been really the storyline that fits best, I think, with what we're seeing in the markets itself and where money is going, because those are the flows. You're not seeing it in Peloton. That continues to go lower and lower and lower. It was at 38 today. Yeah. It's just been getting bashed, along with DocuSign and many others. So I think we are seeing a very healthy rotation once again. We've talked about that, and that's why the markets, and I've said this all year, this healthy rotation has been something that has really been feeding the markets and actually sort of stoking it a little bit and giving us the moves, and that's why we've had all those records. I don't know yeah. what 2022 looks like necessarily, but I can tell you this, with the VIX down there, as it was mentioned, down underneath 19, it's not only to 120, it's under 19 after being up at 35. That says a lot about how quick we were able to assess what's going on, the latest variant, and how that actually does move things around and how people are feeling a heck of a lot more comfortable than they yeah. were just a week or so ago. We're getting to Carter in a second, but Tim, I do want to go back to you because because Pete started it. He mentioned Peloton. I mean, you ever see those <laughs> ugly dog contests where everybody submits their ugliest dog and, and one of them wins? And they're all loved, by the way. <laughs> Look at Robin Hood. Okay, Robin Hood <laughs> down 75% from its high. Peloton, 77%. DocuSign. I mean, these were these were best in show a year ago. <laughs> Now you can't give them away. Are they there were. any of these names that you think have just maybe just got caught up a little too much in this? Because Robinhood, I mean, at some point it has to stop going down or, or does it? Well, I, I've been making some noise about Robinhood over the last, call it three weeks, um, where I, I just believe that this is too sticky of a platform. The demographic is, is too, too uh, much in the target profile of where a lot of other people want to be. Uh, and, and yes, we priced in a lot of bad news around payment for order flow. We've, we've certainly uh, looked at their crypto volumes in the last quarter, and that was part of what destroyed the stock in, in some sense that they should have done much better. I look at a Peloton, you're back at, uh, you can take that chart back, you're back at April 15th levels uh, March 2020 so um, you know, to the extent that yes you still are probably up 40 percent over pre-COVID levels but really look we're assessing this as if this is GoPro this is a hardware company this is this is not uh, subscription services this is not a company uh, that I think is going to get the kind of multiple that's what the market's doing to it um, so I think you have very different stories here I think there's been a lot of treatment uh, of one brush here um, and again I, I, I understand why Robinhood mm -hmm. has uh, been such a disappointment but I, I think you have to be careful to paint all of these stocks with the same brush. Well, they have been painted. At some point, somebody might step in and buy them because they're either going to zero or they're going to stop going down. All right. <laughs> we'll talk more about that maybe a little bit later on in the show. But let's move on because with so much sort of moving under the <clears throat> hood of the markets, see what I did there? The big CPI report got us wondering what you can do, all of you out there, to inflation proof your portfolio. So let's get to our chart master, Carter Worth who's charting what, what we might be able to do in this uber-inflationary world. Carter. Well, it does get down to your conversation whether it is peak or not or whether it's transitory or not, and the words are all very clever, but I guess no one really knows. But there are some traditional places that do do well in moments of inflation or enduring inflation, obviously hard assets, commodities, or real estate, um, or companies that can pass on um, increase prices to the end user. In any event, let's look at three ETFs, and I think this is as good a place to start as any. So the first is the uh, staples. Uh, if you look at this, all the sectors this week, there's only one or two that are making new 52-week highs, and consumer staples is one of them. So this is the Spider Select XLP, and it's the definition of a breakout. Just cleared highs today. Now, the next one, is the IYR. So this is the iShares US real estate ETF that, that tracks 
um, closely the RMZ or other aggregates uh, that measure uh, REITs. And here, too, it made a new 52-week high this week. That's not the case for financials or industrials. That's not the case uh, for uh, many other areas of the market. And finally, commodities. And, you know, there's uh, many ways to tackle this, but it's a decent ETF. It's the iShares um, S&P uh, All Commodities GSCI Index. And so ticker GSG. And you can see there that this one was able to get above its pre-COVID level, and then it cracked hard with the recent sell-off and uh, worries of perhaps new COVID strains. But it found that trend line pretty well, and I think this is going to go on and make a new high. One final chart, and this is a bit esoteric, but I think it's worth uh, considering. What I've done here is I've taken the XLP, Consumer Staples ETF, and the IYR, and the GSG, so real estate, staples, and commodities, three ETFs, and I plotted them equal weight as a single security. And then you're looking at the relative performance line to the equal weight S&P. And if that's not a bottoming out formation, a bearish to bullish reversal, I don't know what one is. Uh, it's an interesting development in markets. Yeah, and some interesting names, G-S-G-I-Y-R. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in a minute. Let's trade this around the horn, Grasso. Uh, the IYR, we don't, we, I, gosh, when's the last time you guys talked about rates or REITs on this, uh, and rates on this fine show? It's got a 1.7 dividend yield. Not great, but not terrible. Chart looks pretty good. Are you a believer? Are you a buyer of the REITs? Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily be a buyer of the REITs. There's a lot of noise uh, involving rates, your Freudian slip there uh, was uh, was noted. So I wouldn't. I think the cleaner look is to look at the staples or the XLP, which is only up roughly 10% year to date. The IYR is up 30% year to date. I would bet on a sm real smooth chart on the XLP. If you go back uh, to infinity and beyond, this this ratchet up in the XLP is very smooth, staircase up, slow and steady. So I made this a would you rather, Brian, you, you, you don't, you're not on the show all the time, but I did make it a would you rather and I would pick XLP. There you go. So Pete, we talked about it a little bit on the halftime report today. Staples, yep. right? These boring companies, a lot of which are based in your very exciting state of Minnesota, the Hormels, the Spams of the world, right? Some of these consumer names, they've been some of the best performers. It's, it's bizarre. Kroger, things like that. Are you, are you a, a longer-term buyer or even trader of some of these staple-type names or the REITs, if you want to dive in there? I have... I absolutely am on the staples, not so much on the REITs. As a matter of fact, that, that one doesn't excite me at all. But on the staples, there are some names out there that I think have proven themselves, and I think that there's still room to the upside for some of these names. And I think you brought up an interesting one with Kroger, also Hormel. I mean, when's the last time anybody really talked about that on CNBC? It's pretty rare. But I do think that there are some upside to that particular segment of the markets, and I think there's a lot of different names within that, and I've owned some of them. but. You know, that, that is not the biggest focus that I have, though, mm. Brian. I, I'm still looking, and I'm a little bit more of an aggressive trader looking for other types of areas. But I do like the staples. I think there are some names in there that can definitely perform. And, by the way, with the option side of things, you actually can create even more dividend yield and all the rest of it like you oftentimes are going to get with those names. That's why I like those names so much. Fair enough. And by the way, Pete, the last time that we talked about Hormel on this network was five hours ago. I know because it was me. We talked about it. <laughs> Dinty Moore Beef Stew does not yes, get enough respect, true. by the way. Got me through college. All right on deck. 
We are going to take a page from the late, great Biggie Smalls and get that old thing back and talk about why once left for goners auto stocks like Ford and GM and Studebaker and the Edsel, they're on fire. And later on, believe it or not, there are still companies posting earnings that never ends. And here are some of them posting next week. Lennar, Adobe, Rivian, Winnebago, Darden. Should you be trading or fading these stocks right now? We're going to find out when Fast returns. We are back in two. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Look at that chart. Things are rocking in the Rock City. That is Detroit, of course. Shares of Ford and GM have been booming lately. Ford, it had a big move today at more than 6%, or actually almost 10%, excuse me, now at a 20-year high. The move comes after CEO Jim Farley said that the company had to cap reservations for its new electric F-150 due to strong demand and their ability to simply not make enough. And it's not just the Blue Oval. Call this a renaissance in the renaissance center gm shares above 60 and they say they're going to invest big time in batteries and evs so let's trade this nadine turman are you a buyer owner holder seller what of either ford or gm if you own the stocks, I think you can hold them. But right now, not as, it's not the time you go buying after the big moves. Ford, for example, it's showing overbought on our trading signals today. The range for that is about 1850 to 21.04. Um, and you know, when we see that, and there's not a lot of short interest, it doesn't get me excited to enter. So maybe wait to 18.50. And for GM. We're looking here, obviously really great news too, but the trading range is 59 to 63.75, so it's nearing the high end of that trading range. So there's about six and a half downside to 1% upside. I don't like that. It's got implied volatility discounts. It means that people took off their protection. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'd rather go to something with some events like Porsche and VW. A little higher in there. All right, Steve, talk to us about Rivian. Rivian's got its first ever earnings as a public company. Stocks, a little of shine has come off it. You, you've loved it from the beginning. You've been holding on to it. What are we doing with Rivian? Yeah, so you said earnings. They're not going to have any earnings. So, so yeah. earnings are lack thereof. <laughs> you should have said results. This, this, this is one. So what, <laughs> exactly. What, what's better? Well, you know, the stock price is always a, a future, uh, is, is indicative of their future potential. This one's going to have a major ramp. They're not focused where Tesla's focused. They're focused, Bob Pisani had a great report on it today. They're focused on commercial vans. They have fo- I'm focused on Amazon owning 20% of them. Just think about the ramp if Amazon decides to take the whole thing, Brian. Think about what commercial is going to mean. Think about when they start actually putting pen to paper, if you will, 
They have software in-house. They have batteries in-house. They're not held to the mercy of the supply chain. This is one that I'm going to stick with. You have to have an iron stomach or steel stomach, whatever the saying is, to be able to hold it. I'm holding it. I think the better days are to come. I think the stock is an easy, easy layup for me. Easy layup with that Amazon factor. Ford loves it, too, by the way. And let's just be honest. Rivian, their cars, their trucks, they're, they're good looking. They've, they've done, you know, done a great job. I know the Lordstown trucks, some people have stronger views on. All right, coming up, the trades on next week's big earnings reports. We're going to go around the horn on these stocks, the ones that with, you know, to Steve's point, actually have earnings. You are watching Fast Money live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We are back on a big market day, ending the week strong. We're back after this. Welcome back. We've got some notable names reporting their earnings next week. Lennar, Adobe, FedEx, Darden, more all on the docket. So there's no better time than right now for a good old-fashioned game of trade it or fade it. we got two names to get through. Let's play, Pete. Kick things off. FedEx, trade or fade? I'm going to fade it, Brian. And the reason I'm saying that is I love the company. I think they do a great job. But when you look at UPS versus FedEx, FedEx is the way to go. and It's not the way to go. UPS is because they focus on domestic. If you look at the performance between these two stocks at any time frame you want to go back and look at, UPS has outperformed them. If I'm going to pick a stock in that segment, why wouldn't I be with UPS? So I'm fading at FDX. Tim, your take? I, I, everything Pete just said is why I want FedEx. I'm trading it. And, and again, the valuation discount, UPS has been superior over FedEx. It's at a wide. I like it. It's actually also one of these stocks that does well in inflation. They are passing pricing on FedEx above 260. It starts to run. All right. Makes the market. All right. Next up is Lennar, the home builder. Steve Grasso, trader fade Lennar. This one's going to be a fade for me. This is front-loaded. The stock is up over 50% year-to-date. I'm afraid of the rising, rising rate environment. Usually, rising rates don't affect uh, home builders because they, uh, every home building recovery happened in a rising rate environment. We're coming at it from a different environment right now. It's a fade for me. There you go. Nadine, what do you think on Lennar? I'm going to trade it. I think you've got solid industry backdrop for the next two years. The opportunity for buybacks with their cash flow. I think concerns around peak earnings built in. $10 a share for their spinoff of their non-core asset management business. A shift to Asselite model. I'd like to get it at 108, but I would hold it if I had it and trade it if it has any weakness next week. I like it. A buy and sell in both names. Guys, thanks. All right. Time now for final trade. <laughs> Tim, kick it off. Brian, thank you for joining us tonight. GM. Pete. Academy Sports Outdoors, giddy up. Nadine. I'll go with Carter on this one, XLP. Steve. This is one that got uh, just obliterated with, with the whole new variant scare. It's Y-O-U ticker symbol, clear, secure. This one will, we're not looking at the end of the world. This one will pop. We'll get back to travel, Y-O-U. Y-O-U, we like it. Everybody, thank you very much. And all of you, have a wonderful weekend. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. 
with a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.